Hey there guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter. This week, we are gonna be talking about a big subject called how to retire by the time you're 40. Big goal for a lot of people, but it is doable. The only way to make it doable isn't about winning the lottery, it's about having a process. Understanding the journey that you're gonna go on and moving through the different phases, perhaps from employee to being a business owner to ultimately becoming an investor and living the life of your dreams. It is a process, it's duplicable, it's been done, and there's absolutely no reason why you can't. And I know you're gonna take a lot out of some of the anecdotes and first-person stories that we share with you in this show. See you in the broadcast. Hey there, guys. Welcome to the Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter. And as always, my offsider, Mr. Mitchell Renshaw. That is me, Mr. Baxter. And I have got a really exciting topic for you today, probably one that people want to listen into, and that is the almighty question of how to retire before 40. Right up. Well, that's going to be some fun, isn't it? And uh, plenty we can cover there. I know. And look, it sounds crazy to most. It might sound way out of reach, but when you actually break it down and get a process mm. and talk about some of you know experiences that you and I both know, it's actually really doable. Mm, absolutely. And I, I guess a good quote to start with is that um, really goals are just simply dreams with deadlines. And uh, you've got to be very clear on what you want out of life. And if retirement of 40 is what you're after, then you've got to have a plan to do it, put some goals in play, have a timeline to get there. And of course, some structure and methodology, which I'm sure we're going to get into in this. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll cover it all. And this will be a paint by numbers blueprint. And at 40 years old, you can be kicking back on the, on the beach somewhere drinking pina coladas if that's what you want. <laughs> well, I guess that's the first question we have to ask. Number one, what does retirement mean? Does it mean drinking pina coladas on the beach or does it mean something very different? I think it depends on where you've got to in life. And I think a lot of people have that dream. It's like if you won the lottery, what would you do? And you just feel on a Sunday getting fat and having fun. That's not for everybody. And I think if you've built over time a mechanism that has enabled you to retire, the game starts to shift about not just being about money, but about winning that game. And it's you versus you versus you versus your bank account. And quite often, and I'm sure we'll go through plenty of examples of this, where we've got people we know mutually and other people that I've worked with uh, that are so beyond what it takes to retire, but they never retire because what they do is a labor of love and it's their purpose. So yeah, you, you, it will kind of shift in terms of what you're after. Absolutely, and you know, there's that saying that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life anyway. And you get to the point where what you're doing is so much, you know, you, you love it so much that you don't have to give those people a cent and they'll still do it. Mm. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that's been me for the last 20 years. I've been in a very fortunate position where I absolutely love what I do and I certainly don't consider it work. And I think when that motivation is is from a very different place rather than chasing a dollar, it's on a, on a, a purpose. And I know that sounds quite holistic, um, but that really does help if you've got something you're doing because you've got a very clear idea of what your motivation is, is for doing that. And very, very hard to do on your own. Uh, you know, the key thing, I would suggest is if most people that have that as a goal is to have a mentor or a coach that's going to help you along the way for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, trying to work the game plan out on your own is, is quite tough. And number two, having somebody that's going to hold you accountable to make sure it actually happens is just as important. No different to a personal trainer at the gym. If you want the outcome, you need someone there making sure you do, so, do, do a full set of 12 rather than eight. Instead of 10, yeah, sure. And, and, and so it goes, so having a coach uh, along the way is very clear, but you've got to have a plan. And, and I think it's also important that you've got to step back and look at what the various chapters of that plan really look like. Okay, well, let's break a few of those down. Now, for any of our viewers who actually don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, was it 29 that you mm. retired? Yeah, first, uh, first crack at it was 29, uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> 
crazy when you look back at it. It's uh, crazy. And um, it wasn't what I expected it to be. And that's why I say you've got to have a very clear idea or intention. You know, I moved um, to Australia from the UK, went pretty well over there. I just traded the market from home and worked and need to work uh, and was quite enjoying it for a very, very short period of time until I got bored senseless and, and I think also I had a love affair with the fridge, uh, put on a heap of weight. Uh, every time you walk past the fridge, it's obligatory to see if the light's working. Best open the door and grab something out and have a munch on. Sure. And um, probably one of my more unhappy chapters in life, I'll be honest with you. Um, and that was a great time to be trading. That was during the dot-com uh, boom and bust. Very, very good times in markets, lots of money being made. Um, but I think you, you, you have to have a purpose in life as well. Uh, and, yeah, and for me, that age, I hadn't done enough in terms of what I wanted to. And you start to move down different channels motivated by different things, not just simply money. Sure. Mm. So yeah, it was a bit of a wake up call. You gotta be careful what you wish for. Absolutely, and I think people get that distorted reality of what retirement actually means. Mm. But you know, it can mean so many things to different people. So let's talk a little bit now about the process mm. to actually retire before 40. What do you do? Where do you start? What, what does retirement mean? Does it mean having millions of dollars in assets? Or does it mean that you've got sufficient cash flow to stop you having to sell your time for dollars in something you're not happy doing? Both, I'm assuming. Mm. So if you can do something that gives you a sufficient income to buy your time back so that you can then make decisions about what you do with that time because it's what you want to do rather than what you have to do. And they're very different things. You know, if you have to do something, there's always a level of resentment uh, and a kind of pushback there. Whereas if you are on track with something that you just would skip out of bed every day and look forward to running in to, to better get on with, that's the right kind of place to be. So what does that dollar income need to look like? And it doesn't need to be millions and millions of dollars of assets for most people to do that. If you were able to bring in an extra this is fixed arbitrary numbers, $1,000 a week from your investments outside, meaning that you could take a different pay scale job to do what you want to do. Sure. Is that retirement? I don't know. It depends on what your definition is. Or is is it just all that, I'm doing nothing, and I'm going to sit around on the sun lounger and have some fun around the world. I don't know. Everyone's different. So having a clarity on what that is. But the bottom line is to get to that point, whatever it is, you do need to have a process. And with any process, there are steps along the way. After all, you know, when the process is right, the results always follow. Sure. So let's look at what that is. And, and I was quite fortunate, probably one of my most impactful mentors, um, and it's strange how these things come about, um, is a guy, I read his book in 1997. I remember reading it and I was working a long time ago. Yeah, I was working in the markets in London, doing all, doing well with what I was doing, enjoying it, not overly fulfilled. Um, and that was prior to, me, prior to me moving here to Australia. I actually came out here for, for about six weeks in 97 for a holiday, first time I'd been here and made a decision then that I'd be back and, and certainly for a more permanent uh, stay. And I remember reading the book and it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. It came out in 97, I'm a voracious reader, couldn't wait to get my hands on it and smash through that five, six times. Now, it's interesting because my relationship with Robert, I started reading his book in 97. I've got to spend quite a bit of time with him personally because we've toured together now uh, for about the last 12 years. And that time that you spend backstage chatting away about business, and for me, he's been a very, very important mentor because in my life, um, I'm from a working class family and I'm from multiple generations of working class people. And no one had owned their own business. Um, before, certainly in my family. No one had been to university either, I might have already graduated and, and, and so on prior to that. But it set me up to realize that there's a game plan outside being an employee. And if you look at then Robert's subsequent work, and this isn't a plug for Robert, I'd recommend his books to anybody. Um, follow a lot of that advice, reach that poor dad, and particularly cash flow quadrant where you move along that board from being an employee to being self-employed, to being a business owner, to being an investor. 
most people start out as employees, some people stay as being employees, and that's not a bad thing because you can achieve your goal of being retired, whichever quadrant of that you're in. But making that transition through, most people listening to this podcast right now probably are in a job and you're thinking it's not possible uh, for me to get to this gilded land of being retired. And yes, it is. You just need a different game plan or to spruce it up. So a lot of people's first experience out of working for somebody else, and that's tricky. Let's face it, if you're a surgeon, for example, you're an employee of the health system or you've gone out into private practice where you're now self-employed. You're still a surgeon. You've got a level of expertise. You're getting paid hopefully quite well for what you do. Um, but when you move into being self-employed, basically you just own your job. Uh, and the easiest route for a lot of people into that, um, being an employee, just backpedal for a second, save like hell. Like whatever you earn, save. And I know that's just like, really? Is that the secret? Yes, it is. Because if you spend less than you earn, you're going to build an asset base that you can then start to invest and really grow exponentially if you know what you're doing. It makes sense. But if you don't have any money because you spend everything you earn, you're stuffed. I don't think I'll get a better paying job because the more you earn, the more you'll find a way of spending if you don't have that habitual ability to save. Very, very important. Get saving. Start yesterday. Start before yesterday if you had a time machine. I'm done working for somebody else. I want to work for myself. So they move into this space of becoming self-employed or trying to start a business. And that's actually quite tricky. Um, you, know, you may have a particular skill set, but running a business is very different from being good at what you do. So for example, you know, the whole cash flow management within a business. So if your business grows to a size and you're over the limit, whereby from a GST point of view, you stop paying on a cash basis and you move on to what's called an accrual basis, that means you pay GST on all the upcoming sales that have already been booked, even though you haven't been paid for them yet. That's crazy. So you've got to be able to manage the cash flow there, and that screws so many people. That's why so many small businesses fail. They don't understand about things like that. So the move into franchise seems to be the easy route. And moving into a franchise, you know, you pay a fee to go into it, um, and it's kind of a done-for-you service. All you've got to do is supply the labor, but now you just own a job. You know, the growth potential, the ability to sell it might be there. Can be tricky. Like neighbors of mine own a, a phenomenal national franchise, very, very well-known one. Um, uh, with thousands of outlets around the country. It's been a very good one for them. Um, but they're the master franchisee. Um, is it so good for the franchise? I don't know, there's actually a very good one, but there are, there's a lot of you know, murky space in there if you, you, know, you start to dive into that in Australia. So that movement to being self-employed probably doesn't give you the freedom that you want and probably gives you more stress. You've moved from being an employee where everyone takes care of all the hard stuff and now you're just working for yourself. And you'll be your best boss, you'll work really hard. Sure. The day you don't go to work, you don't get paid but that's not the same as owning a business. Absolutely. And, you know, just drawing on my own personal experience, you know, I think of my dad, really good role model of mine, and he, he's kind of in this exact situation. You know, he, he started off working as a painter, believe mm. it or not, when he left school. He then started up a number of businesses in the cafe space, mm. uh, and then now towards gyms, which is where you and I met, fun mm. enough, at the gym. Now, he started off working his, his bottom off, you know, six in the morning till eight at night every day, and he was the business. Mm. He's now got himself to a point where he's able to take a step back and pretty much semi-retire. He's still the owner of the business, but he's mm. achieved that goal of, of actually taking a step back and having more time. Mm. And one thing he taught me is that in any great business and leading into retirement before you're 40, hopefully, is that you have to have you know the, the four people in a business. That's your mechanic, your engineer, your manager, and your entrepreneur. Mm. And without those four people, it's not a hierarchy. They all co-depend on each other. Without one of those people, the business fails. 
Now, most people start at the mechanic and they work themselves up, which he did as well, but it's a really good framework of putting around A, how to make your business successful, and then B, how to actually take a step back from it. Brilliant model and a great analogy, and, 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 and your father's an inspirational person, no question about that, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a very, very strong character, so hearing of his success comes as no surprise, he's been the driver in that. Running a business like that, and it's interesting what you say, it's about hierarchy, it's an ecosystem. It is. Everything has to pollinate off each other because there's no one that's more important than the other. All of those components have to come together. And again, that's quite challenging to do if you've made this move from being an employee into being self-employed or, or moved into business. Typically, if you're starting a business, it's you plus the phone and the laptop, and then maybe you outsource your bookkeeping, and then maybe somebody comes to join, and then you put someone on there. The key goal in the business, from my experience, and you know, we've, we've, we've got a pretty substantial business, is your primary goal is to make yourself redundant as the business owner by building really robust processes where you can bring people in that can do the doing. Uh, so I guess as your mechanic. Um, and, and that's so, so important because as long as you've got your head down in the guts of the business, you're working in it rather than on it, which is a massively overused cliche, but it's so true. And this whole goal of being retired by the time you're 40 will not happen if you've just got your head down into the business. You've got to be able to step out of it and look for new opportunities, expansion, joint ventures, um, yeah, um, distribution channels, and so on and so forth. But you can only do that if you've got that time back. Now, most people that are self-employed, myself included in my early years, you know, with any people in the world that would make the conscious decision um, to work 80 hours instead of 40, um, because that's typically what has to happen until you get the momentum in this thing. And most businesses fall over because either the, the driver, the entrepreneur, doesn't have the depth of character and stubbornness, which is what it boils down to to see it out, or their model is just totally flawed. Sure. So building up that where you can step out of it and put people in, initially people doing the doing, and then people to manage the people doing the doing. Exactly. And then stepping out of it and just steering the ship based on your experience and listening to the feedback is critical. Now you go, well, why are we talking about running a business? I want to be retired as I'm 40. If I go back to Robert Kiyosaki again on Rich Dad, Poor Dad, okay, the tax regime and system is rather different in the US to here, but it's not that different. And if you are in a situation where you're as pay as you go, you get to spend the net Okay. If you're in a business, you get to run all your expenses out of the gross and then you get to keep the net. And so by being able to tilt yourself into that space, all of a sudden, the tax structures are much more favorable. And I'll be very, very clear and unambiguous on this. This is not about tax avoidance. So it's not our space. It's not something I would ever endorse. It's a very foolish thing to go down that pathway. The ATO have got very sophisticated systems and rightly so, so you pay your fair share. But the reality is, by organizing yourself in the appropriate structures and this way having a good accountant in your team and good accountants are literally like hen's teeth. Uh, I've burned through tens of accountants over the years until we've dropped anchor where we know we've got a good backstop. Getting a good accountant to advise on that structure all of a sudden means that there's so much stuff you can be running legitimately through your business that's gonna help you towards your goal of being retired before tax. And if you can play that before tax game, that's where liberty really starts. Likewise, if you're stuck in the employment box and, and, and potentially if your given line of work doesn't 
afford you the ability to be in business or that. That doesn't mean to say you can't retire by 40, but you've got to get yourself structured very, very carefully there to make sure you've got some great tax benefits to get your tax proportion done. And I'm not just talking about negative gearing, um, you know, that's, dead, that's a dead duck, you've got to have an asset that produces cash flow. But having other structures in there and our financial planning team do that sort of stuff all the time. It's funny because what sounds you know so simple, just chatting here about in, in our broadcast, is something that so many people forget, especially when they're young into this game. And we talk about starting early to getting to retire by the time you're 40. You know, someone who's 19 or 20 who's just finishing university and is starting their first job mm. would really have no idea about this. So, you know, for someone who is maybe looking for a little bit more guidance on the routes on how to get to this almighty goal of retiring before 40, mm. what do you suggest? What is their exact process? You have to start investing. And the best investment you're going to make is in yourself. In the first instance, if you've no idea what to do, invest in finding out what to do because um, the return on that investment, time is way more valuable than money. Let's say you put down three, four, five, six thousand dollars to buy a program, and, and there are a lot of bad programs out there and some great programs too, uh, to buy a program that's going to help you learn the skills you need to get there. You think, gee, that's a lot of money to outlay, but laying down five grand in your early 20s or 20 years old is far better than wasting a decade trying to work it out yourself, only to realize I can't work it out and I still need help and I've missed that time. The time is, is the most valuable asset that we have. So, you know, employees, Get yourself up school. You've got to have a side hustle. You have to have a side hustle. I can't make that any clearer. And whether that's you as an employee or someone that's self-employed or as a business owner, you have to have stuff going on outside. You know, you look at a lot of business owners, especially as we're going through the current economic collapse, it's heartbreaking watching businesses close because you know full well as an entrepreneur yourself, you've put your heart and soul into something. And if all you've got is that thing that you've put your heart and soul into, if something happens and it falls over, let's say you get sued, there's a vexatious claim made against you, you go to court and for whatever reason you lose. Or the economy turns as we've seen rather quickly recently and that business is gone. If you don't have a side hustle, it was all in vain. You've got to be able to take the money out of whatever vehicle, employee, self-employed or business owner, and get it into that investment space as quickly as possible. And not just in that investment space, but working in a very strategic and hard way in that investment space. Your money must work harder than you. Sure, and just one question on that. We talk about that quadrant and mm. people might get confused about where they sit. Mm. Can you sit in multiple? Absolutely. So your goal, your goal is to be an investor because that's gonna set you free. That's where your money is working ideally passively for you. It's outperforming other market returns or in line with market returns if that's what your goal or objective might be. And at some point in time, you may get enough return out of that to be able to stop being in the quadrant that you're in, whether it's an employee or self-employed or a business owner. But that's a choice. And it's also something to, important to understand, and this is one of the challenges I found um, back in 99 when, when, when I had my sabbatical. And that is, if you're trading, in my case, for a living, it puts immense pressure on you because if you're in a situation where you've got bills and cash flow that you need, you can start to take trades that aren't really there just to get some turnover happening. Whereas if you're able to run this silo of investment totally separate, um, you can take investment opportunities for the merit of them rather than because you have to and you've got that dual cash flow or three or four or five or eight lots of cash flow running on there. Same in your business, your core business. Invest in other things around that might be related companies. Self-managed super where your premises that you operate your business from is owned by your super, which you rent your business uh, space from. It's possible to do that legally. Again, get a good accountant to structure all that. It's perfectly legitimate. These are all the sorts of things that become open to you as you move through that quadrant. Now, if I look at some of the people we work with, and 
in that investment space. And we've got lots of clients from a retail level, people who are starting accounts with a couple of thousand dollars through to people that have got literally tens of millions of dollars and they're working with. One of the vehicles that we've put together, my partner in the financial planning business and I have put together, is a very specific investment company. And this is something that's available, unfortunately or fortunately, for high net worth or wholesale investors. So this isn't for everybody, it's for people who've got you know, net worth of over a couple of million bucks and, and so on to meet the wholesale test. And this investment company, what we're specifically done, we're just doing a capital raise at the moment. And the business opportunity we're going into is actually recycling black plastic. Uh, and if you think about farm waste, where you have all those black um, plastic uh, sheeting that's used to keep frost off, or in the mining industry with this black polypipe, this particular investment, we're seed investors in it. Uh, we own a chunk of that business. Um, and the purpose of that vehicle is to be able to recycle that black plastic and turn it into diesel and plastic pellets that you can then build stuff with. Cool. And it's a very, very good business. It ticks lots of boxes for me on a lot of fronts. Number one, the environmental bias of it is absolutely fantastic, uh, and they're doing great work, and it's an existing business. It's not a pipe dream, it's up and running. Number two, for our investors that are eligible for that, it gives them the ability to be able to diversify away from traditional assets, bricks and mortar, stock investments, index tracking funds, uh, bonds, and all that sort of stuff. It's a totally unique opportunity. As seed investors, we have an opportunity to you know, generate a you know, substantial return on their money because we're taking the risk of putting the cash into this business to fund it and to continue its funding operations. But you might get a 1,000% return on the back of that. And that's the risk return matrix. And for someone that's starting at ground zero looking at that opportunity, well, I'd love to have the opportunity to be in that. If I look at some of the people that have pledged funds to be involved with that, the majority of them are wealthy, but they all still work significant hours in their business. In fact, one of the clients that's in there has a substantial business, like a very, very substantial business, private company, very, very substantial. He started as a trader. So he's your mechanic on the ground floor and worked through and created this business, which is a, and I can't go into the specifics because of client confidentiality, sure. a multiple hundreds of millions of dollars a year business, a gargantuan business in the space that they're in. And that's the sort of investment that these people are looking for outside of that. And do you know something? The guy still works about 65 hours a week. He doesn't need to work for the rest of his life, but he chooses to do it because he's on purpose in what he's doing in his vehicle. If I look at some of the other investors and the people that are farmers, active farmers, that are working in this diversification and spread away, they understand the danger of black plastic and the waste, it, it, it meshes nicely. Now, someone that's a farmer, if they're a substantial farmer, they could be a business owner, and one of those groups, again, is a substantial farming operation. Another one is a family business, so it's a self-employed situation. So these are all people in there. I have another investor that's uh, in there that's an employee that's on a significant income and it's been able to get up there, but it's not just been on a significant income from day one. From day one has invested so, so smartly to be in a position through his self-managed super that he's a self-funded retiree that spends eight, nine months, spends even more time traveling than my father does, eight, nine months of the year traveling around the world, looking after his investments and another self-made guy and still dabbles in his employment space, but through choice rather than needing to. So there are people in all three of the other quadrants that are all investors and still active in there, which is really fascinating. And again, it's, it, it, it's such a hard thing, Mitch, if you're starting at ground zero, like you know what our game plan is for you and that's to help you be in a position, which you will be, to, to be able to game by whatever deadline that you choose, be it 30 or be it 40, it's up to you, be there either way, whichever way you want to go. The key thing with all of this is that when you're starting, it seems overwhelming. You think, man, I'd love to be over there. I'd love to be this billionaire that can live on an island and do all the rest of it. That's great. That's what 
what you actually want. Just be careful what you want. But it all starts with that first step. And you can have every excuse in the world for not getting started. It's not the right time. I don't have any money. I'm new to a country. I've got a guy who's uh, new to Australia. He's from India originally. Doesn't have a lot of money. Studying at Grand Zero. He's been here for two years, maybe. He's working in a restaurant. He's already got more in his super than I see for people that have been working for a long time. He's been banking it away and he keeps handing me, I need to get myself made in super, so it's not quite got enough money to do that. But we're working on other ways to get there because he's hungry starting at Ground Zero. So this is a guy that's new into the country. Some people go, oh, yeah, I don't, I'm not educated. You don't need to be educated. You need to be hungry. You know, we've got a mutual friend who's got an incredibly successful childcare business. Incredibly. Right? Now, we know him well, and he's a great person. His work ethic, he probably would work harder than virtually anybody I know. He's the hardest worker in the room. He's the guy that gets up at six o'clock in the morning, mm. works all day, trains every afternoon ritually at the gym, mm. uh, goes home, spends time with his family, and then works till midnight, two o'clock in the morning. And every day. Every day. Every day. Every Saturday. And that's an interesting game that he's playing against himself because it's not for the money. No. Doesn't need that by a mile. And it's not for any other thing to see where can I take this? And this whole goal of getting retired by 40 it's you versus you. It's not you versus investments. It's not you versus society. It's not you versus the government. It's not you versus your boss. It's you versus you. Because if you want to break out of that and have a red or crack, there is nothing stopping you. Look at other people that have come and, and, and kicked big goals. And someone that's a huge role model for me personally. I know his son, an incredible entrepreneur, born abandoned by his birth parents, adopted by a very, very poor family in Melbourne, no skills, no education, no qualifications. Is currently one of Australia's top five billionaires because he just had some drive and had a desire to do something. I also know from knowing his son that the father works harder than most people. And uh, he's into his 70s right now, and that's a gentleman by the name of Kerry Stokes owns Channel 7, uh, amongst many, many other things that he owns within his business empire. And when you look at those sort of stories, he's a person that would have every excuse for not being successful, but has used that as a lever on themselves to say, hey, I want more. And in doing that on his journey, he's not some cruel capitalist, he's someone that's been incredibly generous to multiple people throughout that business journey, an incredible shoulder uh, for someone, um, uh, for example, in, um, uh, in the media space that's gone through some really difficult times, James Packer, Decron, even though they're arch rivals in the business world, they've become personal friends because Kerry Stokes is that person. Become someone that's the largest collector of Victoria Crosses uh, in the world and donating them all to the museum in Canberra and support for people like Ben Robert Smith and so on and so forth. You know, an incredibly generous person with his time and causes, but started with more than less than nothing behind the eight ball so much, but made that happen. So what is the difference? And it just comes down to purpose and focus and understanding that journey. You have to try and migrate through employee to self-employed, to business owner, to investor. Now you can stay in those other three quadrants, whichever one of the three you happen to be in, but you have to get into that investment quadrant. And when you're in there, start leaning on some of the services that we can provide to get that money working harder. And that's how you get to be retired. Wow, and um, I think there's so much good information out there. And mm. not only is it informational, it's also inspiring because you think about it, it's whatever circumstances we think we're facing in terms of hardship or adversity, there's always someone worse off. And we need to be grateful for what we have and we mm. need to use it to our advantage. 100%. It's never been easier to be successful, yet it's never been harder to be focused. There you go. AB, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to get mm. your, guide, your guide on everything here. Thank you very much for your time. And, um, That's right. It's, it's good to chat this whole goal, be retired before you're 40. Some people will be listening to this right now and go, you haven't talked about how to get retired before you're 40. Yes, we have. Do you know the key thing, key distinction? 
If you want to make it happen before you're 40, start yesterday. Don't be putting it off. Don't be thinking for another moment that one day I want to get around to this. Start. It doesn't matter if you get on the wrong channel because once you've started, you've got momentum. You can always back out. But if you don't have a start, it will never happen. And you look back, perhaps when you get a little older, you go, man, I could have done this, I could have done that. The world's full of coulda, shoulds. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's about making it happen and getting out there. And don't be frightened of failure. You know, you're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. God, I couldn't, I've lost track of the number of mistakes I've made in my journey. But as long as you learn from them and you never give up and you keep pushing forward, that's what's going to set you up. So if your goal is retire by 30, retire by 40, retire by 50, retire sometime, somewhere, work through that quadrant, work on the skills that need to be in there. You need to learn new stuff to move through there. Get good advisors, good accountant, crucial. Good advisors in the financial space, massively important. And keep on track with yourself as to why you want to do this. Because if you've always got a reason why, you'll get out of bed in the morning. If you're doing it because you hate it and you're chasing the dollar, that's not called retirement, that's called slavery. This is about finding what you want to do and being relentless in how you go after it. You know something? I don't think it'll take you 40 years to get there, my friend. I reckon we're on track for under a decade and we've already started that. We'll start with next week. What do you think? Start yesterday. AB, <laughs> <laughs> pleasure to chat. As always, Mitch. Thanks very much. Well, guys, hope you found that one useful. Make sure you give us a rating and a review. Very important to get that message out there. And we'll look forward to talking to you in our next podcast show.